certain months, I do it consistently every single day. In certain months, maybe it's once a week, twice a week. And I can tell you, my quality of life for those months that I'm doing it consistently every single day is way high. There's a direct relationship of when I'm when I'm doing personal practices mindfully every single day and my quality of life. It is so obvious to me the importance of doing that. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of The Importance of Our Personal Practice. Yeah, many of us have a personal practice. It could look like uh, yoga. People have a personal practice in doing that. Meditation. Journaling. Could be art. And a practice is different than a routine. Practice brings mindfulness It brings consistency, and hopefully it's something that we experience and do to better ourselves and to better our relationships, to bring some type of balance into our life. And today I have a conversation with my buddy, Corey Costanzo. Those of you that know Corey through my podcast, we've done several. Emotional regulation is one. Doing the Right Thing, another one way back on addictions and how it affects relationships, sound and attunement, just to name a few. So I really love having my conversations with Corey. Tell you a little bit about Corey. He is a dear, dear friend of mine, and he is a colleague. He is a licensed addiction counselor, specializes in trauma and anxiety, and of course, addiction. He's a somatic experiencing practitioner. He is also a licensed massage and bodywork therapist with a specialty in Esalen massage certification. Corey lived at Esalen for many years, and he is also the co-owner of Still Point Wellness, which is Asheville's premier Esalen massage and saltwater flotation spa. Corey and I have a conversation about some things that we're doing in our personal practice, and he shares a pretty unique one. Corey is a master didgeridoo player, and he's been playing the the didge for over 20 years, but recently, since the pandemic, he has had a consistent morning didgeridoo meditation on his Facebook Live, on Still Point Wellness Facebook Live. And I believe he is well over 100 days, 105 days of consistently doing every morning. And those of you that don't know the didge or those of you that love the didge, I'm going to just pause a moment and so you can hear a excerpt of one of Corey's recordings on his morning didge meditation. sound it's 
it just resonates in, in such a embodiment, trance-like, and it's can be very soothing and peaceful and can take you really deep. So thanks, Corey, for that. So we converse about the importance of our practice and what makes a practice different than a routine. And I talk about a pretty unusual practice of mine that's coming up of late, and I'll surprise you for when you listen to it. So while you're listening, I invite you to try to really understand if you do have a personal practice of how that is benefiting you and how that is benefiting others, and in what ways can you even take that deeper and different dimensions of understanding yourself and the relationship to that personal practice of yours. I do want to mention that uh, now I'm doing all my counseling online. So if you're interested in talking about possibility of having counseling and consultations, you can contact me on my website, heartsharecounseling.com, and we can explore that possibility. All right. So enjoy the conversation with Corey. Mm-hmm. Importance of our personal practice. Yeah. Let's talk about it. My man, here we go. Yeah, it's been a while. It feels so good to be back here with you, Prepo, and in the den. In the den. We're we're in my office. We have a, a social distance of about six feet. I'm on my sofa. You're on the chair. Um, but we are in person, and it's been freaking, what, like four months since? It's been probably February, I think, since you and I saw each other. This is by far the longest time in our 11-year friendship that we've gone without seeing each other face-to-face. I mean, we've been speaking on the phone on a regular basis, but face-to-face, I've been missing you, man. I've been missing this, and I've been missing our conversations and our walks around Asheville and our dinners together, our collaborations, our creativity together. So glad to be back with you. And I've also heard a couple people tell me, I miss I miss Corey, man. When are you going to have Corey on? I've had that, so that's really sweet. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Actually, someone I was thinking about you the other day because um, you, referred, you referred a client to me and that person called me and he left a message for me. We played phone tag back and forth. And then one of the messages that he left for me, he said, Damn, you sound exactly like Prepo. <laughs> and I cracked up laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have this good pace back and forth, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting into it with you again. And we were talking, you had a great idea about talking about our relationship with our practice or our relationship with our routine and how that can benefit our relationships uh, with our family, with our partners all around. So... This is a juicy one because you've been diving into a new level of a practice that you've had for many, many years. So I've been playing the didgeridoo for over 20 years. And as soon as COVID hit, I found myself waking up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, racked with anxiety. And um, what I decided to do was get in the bathtub. And it was that time that I spent in the bathtub meditating, just breathing, doing my headspace meditation, just relaxing, hearing the birds start to chirp. And then I started started getting energized and feeling like I wanted to continue that, continue that, that, that routine and that practice. So the next thing I would do as soon as I got out of the bathtub would be to grab my didgeridoo and start playing. And it felt so good. And I had the idea after a couple of days to share it with other folks. I just imagined that a lot of people were going through the same kind of anxiety and future tripping and worry-based thinking that I was going through. And I was getting so much benefit out of spending those three hours in the morning of bathtub, meditate, play the ditch, that I just went on Facebook Live and I just started one day and I kept doing it. And doing it and i'm on day 103 wow, today that's fantastic yeah so every day you've just did a facebook live video audio of you playing the didgeridoo right 
How long? How long is it usually? About 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, the first few days, it was super vanilla. It was like me on the couch, indoors, and I'd play. And it got a little bit of traction, you know, a couple of comments. And, you know, I was just sharing my practice that I would be doing anyway. And then something happened. I forgot what happened, but I wound up playing outside. And I wound up I wound up going in the creek. That's right. It was in the creek. So I have a creek running through my property and I and I put my creek boots on and it was still cold, you know, so I had my sweater on um, and the sound of the creek was 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 picked up. And I noticed that the number of people that, that were tuning in like quadrupled. And I was like, whoa, all right, that's really cool. So set and setting is really is really important. So I started getting really creative with the places that I would be playing and uh, bringing in some other natural sounds. Like I have a lot of hawks on my property. So um, there's this one place that I've been playing in my property where you really hear a lot of hawks in the background. And there's another another place where uh, there's this beautiful bamboo and a beautiful azalea bush, and and it was really sweet to get creative and make connections about how when I stay true to the personal practice day after day after day, I start realizing just little things, little things, mm. make little connections. Well, I want to hear about that connection, but before that, I'm going to be telling people you are a phenomenal didgeridoo player and um it's just so wonderful to to hear you play and we're going to give you that treat at the end folks we're going to let uh we're going to play some of Corey's didgeridoo at the very end and you can all also tap into he's going to give you some ways to tap into his didgeridoo with facebook live and he also has a, a cd i'm going to plug for you baby that on that but when i first heard you play the didgeridoo it, it just uh I got didged by you. I remember that. And it, like you put the didge right by my, my chest and the reverberation of that sound on my body put me in a, in a sensation that I wouldn't say it was a relaxing, but it was expanding in my body in a whole different way. So I think it's a magical, it's a magical instrument. So it's a wonderful apparatus to have as your practice. And and so I'm curious to hear, as you said, like what are some of the things that came out from it? Yeah, so absolutely right. The whole reason why I play the the the, the didgeridoo is because I was, as they say, bit by the didgeridoo mosquito. I heard the sound when I was living on Bali for three months when I was in my mid-20s, and it grabbed me. The moment I heard it, I just knew that I needed to play the instrument and be around that sound. That's really how it started. I just needed to be around the sound. So I started playing and that was like pre-internet days and I just basically taught myself how to play and it felt good. So I would just keep coming back to the didgeridoo. And day after day, week after week, year after year, I just kept playing and kept playing and it just kept feeling good. So I kept playing and here I am today. And a big shift in that practice was when you were living at Esalen and you started a didgeridoo practice at the Esalen Baths on Wednesday nights, right? Right. Yeah. I was healing from a broken heart and I'm a romantic, I'm a lover, and I've gotten my heart broken several times. And I have to say, this was the last time that I got my heart broken. And what I did was, I went into the sensations of the broken heart. I went into the sadness. I went into the grief. And I let myself really feel it and stayed with it. Living at Esalen, this is just all what, what they teach. And it's really infused into the culture at the Esalen Institute. When people that don't know Esalen, uh, I've mentioned it many times, but it's a human potential learning center in Big Sur, California. Beautiful, beautiful just place to be at. Yeah, so they have these hot springs that are built into the side of the cliff, uh, sheer, sheer cliffs extending down right into the Pacific Ocean. 
It's this beautiful concrete and glass structure that has two tubs that fit about 10 people in it. And then it has about six or seven massage tables and then a couple of individual porcelain clawfoot tubs. And I would go down there at like midnight or 1 a.m. when nobody was down there to the silent side of the baths. And I would just start playing my didgeridoo. And it really allowed myself to feel into the sadness. And I would just play the sadness. And the vibrations would bounce all around the concrete and glass and come right back to me. Mm. So I would put the didge into a porcelain tub and arrange it so that the vibrations would just bounce right back at me. So what you were talking about when I played into your chest, I could feel that as well. And without fail, the whole week, I would just look up after a couple of minutes of playing or what felt like a couple of minutes could have been a couple of hours. And there would be 10 or 15 people just right in front of me or on the massage table or in the baths or moving to the rhythms. And I just started realizing, wow, there's this connection between me playing the didge and other people enjoying it as well. So I just kept doing it until somebody had a problem with it and told the administration that I was playing at the silent side and they weren't too happy about that. Yeah, it was just some (laughs) stick in the mud or something. But it actually turned out perfectly because they told me I couldn't play, but I came up with the idea that what if I booked out that silent side once a week at, I think it was nine o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night, and I'll just play for an hour. And that's what I did every Wednesday night. It was from like 9.45 till 11 o'clock. I had it booked out. And I did that for about five years straight. And sometimes there'd be 40 people in there. And, um, you know, when I did the math for five years at 40 people a week, it was many thousands of people. And then I wound up, I wound up training somebody to play with me. And then when I left Esalen to come here to Asheville, he took it over. And he played every Wednesday night and then he trained someone else and then they took it over when he left. So nice. for about 10 solid years, the didgeridoo meditation was happening at, at, at the Esalen Baths every Wednesday night. So that was, that was a practice for you. You had that practice going. Absolutely. Every Wednesday. And now your practice went to another level of every morning doing this practice and putting it out for people to to experience it live, right? You're doing it live every day, right? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. How how has that influenced, again, your relationships with the people closest to you? I feel like because I stayed regular with the practice, it turned into a benchmark for me to notice how I was feeling. And no matter how I was feeling that morning, after those 20 minutes of playing, I would feel great. And then I'd be able to show up for my family and show up for my partner in a way that was from a grounded place, from a place of centeredness and balanced and feeling great. And then I was able to like kind of share that, share that energy with my partner and with my family. Hmm. So I feel like it starts within, you know, and to have a regular practice helps me to clear the cobwebs and not let the the kind of humdrum or like the kind of not let any resentments build up or not let any kind of funk set in. It almost like cleans the pipes every morning. Meditation does that for me too. Mm. How would you set aside, you know, the difference between when people say a routine, you know, something that you do consistently, like I I have a meditation practice also in the morning, but a practice and a routine are somewhat different. You know, we, we were just speaking earlier about how a routine can be something that you do consistently, but it could, could have a little less element of mindfulness where I think a practice really has a mindfulness aspect to it that even means in some way that you're getting more proficient at something because you're going deeper into it because you're being more mindful than just a routine. Absolutely. 
I think you hit the nail on the head there with with mindfulness because anything anything can be can be a routine, something that you do over and over. Brushing your teeth every day. It's a routine. Most routines become subconscious. So when you bring consciousness into that routine, you're more likely to start realizing things, right? Like a big thing that I've realized lately is how I hold my breath. And when I'm holding my breath, I'm likely to feel anxiety. It's just this like prickly sensation that doesn't feel very good. And when I feel like that, I get snappy, I get snippy. What's the difference between snappy and snippy? What happens when you get snappy? Snappy, <laughs> snappy, is, snappy is more like a bark, okay. right? Snippy is more like a yelp. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Thanks for that yeah, distinction. Man. Got it. Wise ass. <laughs> <laughs> so so I realized the connection between holding my breath and not feeling so good, right? So now no matter what I'm doing, I'm realizing that my breath, my breath wants to be let free. And you might not realize that as much if you just focus it as a routine as right. a, as, than as a practice. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So the bath, like what I was talking about, right? So I started waking up, you know, COVID hit, the numbers, you know, number of people coming into the spa that my wife and I own started really falling. Expenses started rising, started getting really worried and waking up with super duper anxiety, future tripping and worry. So the what I realized was that if I go to if I go into the bathtub, the pressure that I feel on my chest forces me to stay mindful of my breathing, and that's why it felt so good. Because then I would get mindful, and I would notice when my breathing wasn't so regular, and I would I would choose to take another breath, and from that practice from that routine that became a practice about your breath as we're talking about you're able to take it deeper because you took it deeper because i got a text a couple weeks ago and you're like hey man you got to check out this audio book called breath a lost art of what was it a lost art the of, lost art of breathing it's by james yeah. Nestor. yeah and I, I i listened to it and i just went off on it. and there's one thing that is an exercise that he recommended that you do and you sent me a picture of it and that is taping, putting some, let's say some medical tape, a piece of medical tape across your lips or or a horizontal on your lips to keep it shut while you're sleeping. So the whole aspect is about nostril breathing. The book is focused on more nostril breathing than it is, of course, mouth breathing. And so that has also become a practice for me. Ever since that you brought that up two weeks ago, every night I have slept with a tape over my mouth and I've gotten such good sleep, such good deep sleep. And one of my practices also, I have what's called a whoop, which uh, is a monitor around recovery and sleep. And so I'm plugging whoop and whoop isn't even a sponsor of mine. So, hey, whoop, you got to come up on my podcast. But it, uh, it monitors my uh, REM sleep and my deep sleep. And since I've been putting that tape on my mouth at night, I've had a 20% increase of my REM. And so that's part of going deeper into now a practice that is now mine also. And my relationship to that, uh, my wife started doing it. And so here we look at each other at night, smile, we put our tape on and it's a little funny and we communicate better because we're getting better sleep. I am more alert. I'm more conscious of my breathing during the day, especially with stress. And so I'm nostril breathing more. So it's really benefited my relationship with my wife and also other people. The first thing when I heard, I told you about my sister calling and said, my mother broke her other shoulder. My mother broke her shoulder two weeks ago. She fell. My mom's 80 years old. She broke her other shoulder just today. And I found out 
about uh, 20 minutes before our podcast. The first thing I did, taking deep breaths through my nose, bringing down that that anxiety so I can be present and not get caught up. So that's been a wonderful practice for me. And the nostril breathing, mouth taping practice that you and I are both getting so much benefit from, that was a direct result of my morning baths, that routine that turned into a practice because it was a mindful routine, right? That turned into recognizing the connection between my breath and my anxiety and just how great I felt. That led into me seeing a buddy of mine online, socially distanced, of course, at Whole Foods, and he told me about this book that he was reading, and he described it to me, and it made me wanna wanna get the book. I got the book, and man, this is the second time that I'm listening to the book. First time ever that I'm that I'm listening to an audio book twice, right? Get the book, and it mentions this nostril breathing. Absolutely rocked rocked my world. And and but isn't that? part of your practice with didgeridoo i mean isn't isn't circle breathing a lot of nostril breathing well what circular breathing is is it want it you wind up you wind up regulating and balancing the in-breath and the out-breath so if i play a really 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 fast rhythm i might i might be taking taking you know 20 in-breaths and then one long exhale, a really long exhale, right? And then different rhythm patterns stimulate different kinds of breathing patterns. And what winds up happening is, is this sense of euphoria because the oxygen to carbon dioxide ratio gets played with and manipulated. So when I play certain rhythms, I feel a certain way and maybe faster uh, rhythms and then slower rhythms, I'll feel another way. And it's all because different biochemicals get released on different rhythms of breath. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Playing the dig is all about the breath and I've deepened my understanding you know, through this bath practice, bath routine, and through this connection to the breath and then, and then coupled with seeing my buddy that told me about this book and then reading about mouth breathing, it has absolutely rocked my world. So I have clinical anxiety. I've, I've had like diagnosed anxiety disorder um, for many, many, many years. And even when I was a kid, I would wake up with anxiety every single morning. And I wake up with anxiety. I used to wake up with anxiety every single morning of my life until I read that book and until I started I started taping my mouth shut. Now, the amount of anxiety that I wake up with in the morning is minuscule. Wow, even yeah. during all of this chaos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I've, I've only been taping my mouth shut now for, I don't know, maybe, maybe a month. But this last month, I have woken up with the least amount of anxiety I've ever woken up with in my life. And it's, wow. and it's, amidst some of the biggest crisis, right? And it's, it's, I have James Nestor to thank for mm. telling me about taping the mouth shut. Yeah. It's really amazing. And how that practice has really benefited your relationship is your wife loves that you're taping your mouth shut, man, that you're even doing it during the day, not just at night, right? She loves it. <laughs> she loves it. Well, what I'm doing now is I'm, I'm training yeah. myself to breathe, to breathe through my nose. There are so many benefits to breathing through through the nose. In the book, he talks about he did two weeks of only mouth breathing, and he hooked himself. You know, he did it with a doctor's care and went to an exercise physiologist and hooked himself. Did blood tests and all sorts of EKGs and all sorts of um, biomarkers and and tests. And what he what what he found after two weeks of mouth breathing was that he was getting sick. High blood pressure. Yep, yeah, that's all right. Kinds of things. That's right. Infection in his sinuses and um, snoring. Yeah, sleep yeah. apnea. Sleep apnea. Yeah, he had like sixty or seventy sleep apnea events in the night, 
when he was breathing through his mouth. And then he did two weeks of only breathing through the nose and it totally turned around. His immune system boosted, his energy boosted, his mood boosted, no anxiety, no depression, no sleep apnea at all whatsoever, no snoring at night at all whatsoever. So anybody yeah. out there that's got yeah. sleep apnea or snoring issues, tape your mouth shut. Try that could really benefit your relationships that way because I know both my wife and I snore and you know we're always playing with each other like, no, nah, I don't snore. And she's like, no, nah, I don't snore. And as I'm aware when in the last few weeks when she has been sleeping with a tape over her mouth, the amount of snoring is so minimal. It might have a little bit, but then it doesn't it doesn't increase at all. And I know that when she said that I started snoring is when the tape actually fell off of, of, of me because I put it on when I'm probably have more of a whiskers around instead of straight across my mouth. So yeah, you're right from the snoring standpoint. That's that's a huge huge one yeah i mean think about think about the lost productivity and think about all the anxiety from lost sleep and uh, you know it's a really big deal partners partners snoring i'm sure that there are a lot of people listening right now that that are um you know in for an awesome ride if you try this and if you do try it use surgical tape that's right. I would say medical tape. It's surgical, surgical tape. tape. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. just one small strip. Yeah. Just right across the lips. Right. One, one small strip. Yeah. And that's a big one because as a couples counselor, I have people constantly having issues about snoring. And so therefore they don't sleep with each other. Yeah. And sleeping in separate beds. I know some people say, you know, it works for us, but there is something about sleeping in the same bed with your partner when you're in a relaxation stage and sinking energetically in the same bed while you're sleeping, it's positive for your relationship as opposed to sleeping separately. And so I, that's one avenue, like you said, for people to try if that's, if that's going on in their relationship. So let's, let's tie it back into a nice, into a nice neat bow. So personal practice equals self care, showing up for your, showing up for yourself equals self-respect equals a sense of connection and and fulfillment and growth and you know there's a sense of loyalty to my practice that i feel really good about like i'm i'm being reliable to my practice even my practice of appreciation i would consider that a practice every chance that i get to know that there's opportunities to appreciate and i do that every day in my meditation but also it's repetitive in my, in my relationships. And I have a sense of feeling reliable and being loyal to that practice feels really good when I'm not doing that practice and letting it slack off. I see the detriment in some way of the disconnections or even how I look at people and view them in my life. It slips away from what, what the relationship that I have with that practice. So I know that that's one of my practice is that. And you asked me earlier about another practice, and this sounds kind of silly, but but in some way doing this podcast has been my practice. I'm around 100 episodes, people, every week I've been doing it. And I know every time that I have told you, yeah, man, still doing it. And you're like, wow, man, like every week I'm putting it out. And so what that is, folks, is I got to figure out what subject I want to talk about, whether to have a guest, whether to do it on a monologue, so I gotta research it a little bit, think about stories, and so my weekends are spent doing my practice, which is my, my podcast, and it's been getting easier and less stressful around it. I've been giving myself more slack around that, and also the feedback that I'm getting from people, the benefit that they're getting from my podcast, has been such a just a wonderful circle because of the benefit that I'm also receiving from doing it myself. So that's been an interesting new practice in my life the last couple of years of actually doing this podcast. It's been a routine, but it's been a practice. The more mindful that I get about uh, the quality, the authenticity, I've been watching, letting go of my attachment to the outcome of, okay, Maybe people won't like what I say, or uh, maybe it won't resonate, but maybe it will resonate with others. So letting go of some attachment to an outcome with it, letting go of some attachments around monetizing it in some way, 
um, expectations I have about putting out courses based on the podcast and so forth. And I'm going to get to that, folks. I really will. But I've been like watching that relationship with that practice of what I thought I would be with my podcast and letting it just organically be as I consistently do it. So it's been an interesting practice, a podcast practice. And I've got a question for you. Yeah. So how has that affected your relationship with Rainbow? It's been wonderful because one part of that is, uh, as people know, especially with uh, COVID and and, uh, the stay-home orders, she's been my sidekick. And we've been doing, we probably did eight, nine podcasts um, over the last few months. And that's brought us even closer about brainstorming together what we want to talk about even being more vulnerable about talking about our own process and airing our laundry about our conflicts and and uh, sharing it with you all out there. So it's brought us closer. She is always behind the scenes. She gives me great ideas about editing or ideas of stories that I want to talk about. She's really good of just giving me wonderful suggestions. So it's brought us closer in collaboration but also the more that I think about the topics and talk about the topics, whether it's appreciation or conflict or, or love is a choice or apologies, I'm bringing all that shit back into my relationship when I talk about it. And so it's a wonderful like walk the talk practice for me. So that's part of how it's really benefited my relationship with her. Yeah, you know, as you say that, it makes me, it makes me think about the importance of each partner having their own thing that fills them up in their life that's separate from their relationship. And, you know, I know my wife, she's really into gardening right now and it's, it's filling her up big time. And we got some chickens and she's really into the chickens and like being on the land and, that fills her up. And then when she comes in and she'll, she'll have some kale or she'll have some zucchini, some beets that she just harvested. And she's got this beaming smile on her face. You know, I feel that like that depth of her self-respect from cultivating the land and coming back to that practice of gardening and having something to show for it. Like to me, that's sexy. Yeah. That makes me want that. That's attractive. That makes me want to be around her because it feels good to be around her. She's beaming. It's an inspiration. It's an inspiration. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And And I know for me that part of like when I'm seeing that, because my wife rainbow is doing the same thing with her gardening and other things that she does with her women's groups and how she takes care of herself. I feel like, I don't have to supply that kind of happiness that she's able to plug in to her own sense of well-being. And that's such a relief in a relationship when I don't have to bring that. I want to be able to bring that. I want to be able to influence happiness to my partner, of course, but it's not a requirement, which is so wonderful that I know that she can plug into her own practice to really take care of herself. And when couples have really good communication, I love hearing about her process around her practice. That gives me more of an insight of who she is and how she feels and what she's thinking about and what she's toying with and what her struggles are, what her triumphs are, and vice versa. When I'm sharing about what's going on in my practice, we let each other into our inner worlds. And that's the overlap of the sharing even doing separate things that we have a relationship with. I, I would say that personal practice, the way we're talking about it, is, anti, is, is the antidote for a codependent relationship. Mm, yeah. So if there's anybody out there, or I should, I should use I statements here, if I ever feel myself slipping into you know, the codependent trap in a, in a relationship where my emotional uh, needs are being fulfilled uh, through my partner or where like my emotions are 
dependent on my partner's emotions. If my partner's feeling sad, then I'm feeling sad. If my partner's feeling happy, then I'm feeling happy. You know, that's a tough way to have a successful long-term relationship without uh, resentments building up and without it getting just really weird. You know, that's like suffering through a relationship. Personal practice is the antidote to that because I'm starting with filling myself up with what brings me joy. And then from there, I could meet my partner. And it's kind of, I'm getting the image of like the DNA double helix, you know? Mm. We're just like kind of spiraling yeah. around one another, yeah. dancing with, with one another. And if your personal practice brings so much groundiness, I'll say when my per- personal practice brings me that groundiness, that when maybe I feel disconnected by my partner, I go back to my personal practice to get grounded so that I can come back into the, into the relationship from that fulfillment. So that's a self-soothing technique in some way that we have something to go to that is something that fills us up, that we have a relationship to that's not threatening to, to the relationship because I'm not going outside of the relationship in, in some sort of way that's threatening and come back with a more full sense of myself. And I imagine that's how you emotionally regulate. Yes. When the shit hits the fan, when you start feeling overwhelming emotions, you go back to your practice, a walk in the woods. I know you love to do that. Exercise. I know you love to do that. Yeah. All those things bring us back, bring Mm -hmm. us back to our center, bring us back to ourself. And then we can, we can attune with our, with our partner. Yeah. It's interesting to explore what that aspect is of our practice and you know a practice is something that you do repetitively over and over to get better at i mean that's what athletes do they practice in order to get better at something and i don't feel that i have a goal to achieve but i know that through consistent relationship with my practice i feel more capable i feel more efficient in several areas but like you're saying self-worth and self-confidence it really takes its tentacles into many other areas of my life that i know that if i need to do something in the future like again this podcast when my son said you should do a podcast and i was like you fucking crazy man i'm not gonna do a podcast and then when i started thinking about it and i had no clue of i hardly ever listened to podcasts before i started and then i jumped into it not at all thinking I'd be like at almost 100 episodes, that as I was doing it, I started learning about as I was doing it and kept doing it and learned about myself and became more proficient. And so I think that sometimes we can just dive into a practice and we don't have to think about the outcome. Daily practice is is an important piece of it for me because I've been using the Headspace app. It's a meditation app for about four years now. I've got almost 11,000 minutes of meditation. I think 200, uh, no, more than 200, way more than 200 sessions. And certain months, I do it consistently every single day. And certain months, maybe it's once a week, twice a week. And I can tell you my quality of life for those months that I'm doing it consistently every single day is way high. There's a direct relationship of when I'm when I'm doing personal practices mindfully every single day and my quality of life. It is so obvious to me the importance of doing that. So what what do you tell people and consult especially like with your clients? Do you get questions like this of people get they start feeling guilty when they're not doing, they miss their days or they're not being consistent. And I work on the compassion, self-compassion part, but that's a deterrent a lot of times for people of feeling guilty and getting down on themselves because they think that they've got to do all of these practices, right? They got to wake up and they got to exercise. They got to meditate. They got to go take a walk in the forest and all of this stuff, thinking about it, they're exhausted and they never even hardly even get out of bed to do the first one. So how do you work with people that feel overwhelmed by the gravity of their attachment to their practice? I feel like everybody is unique in this situation. And for some, for some people, a more coaching mindset is necessary 
to help somebody to develop and reap the benefits of a disciplined and you know long-lasting daily personal practice for other people it's you know i'll just encourage them you know what stay in bed if you need to stay in bed like let yourself just go into whatever's keeping you in bed i mean i had my greatest insight i've ever had in my life was when i couldn't get out of bed and i mean it was it was clinical depression for sure and i just let myself go into the clinical depression like i went into the sensation of tar Right, and I just breathed into it, and within I don't know, ten breaths or so, it's like a nuclear explosion. That, and this was in my mid twenties. It was a nuclear explosion that gave me energy. That I just ran the rest of the summer. I just ran and worked out for the whole summer, and and that was that step on my path. And I was like, what was that? What was that inside my body that I was able to tap into that gave me all that energy and that was led me on the quest to body work, to somatic psychology, to Esalen, to here with you today, to Asheville, you know? So I think everybody's different. And for some folks, yeah, put the practice aside and just give yourself that self-care of in the moment, um, whatever it is that you want to do in the moment and do it mindfully. That's the trick. Do it mindfully. Other people, what I say is if you want to develop any kind of practice with something and just have it, have it consistent and be disciplined with it. Let's say the goal is 20 minutes a day of meditation. And after five minutes, if you're not feeling, if you're really not feeling it, you just cut it at five. The next day, shoot for five, right? If you're not feeling it the next day, shoot for one. Mm. but just at least go back to it, at least go back to it. And and I've used that approach with Headspace, right? And I go between five and 20 minutes and I'm doing it every single day. And then if I have a terrible 20 minute meditation the next day, I'll just set it for five minutes. And then maybe the following day, five again, and then something will hit where after the five minutes, I'll be like, oh, I, I mm. wanna go longer right. and I won't let myself go longer. I'll wait till the next day and then I'll set it for 10 minutes the next day. And then, and then, I mean, it's like clockwork. It's like, Ooh, I want more than 10 minutes. The next day I set it for 15 minutes. But when I dial it back, even if I don't want to do it, I dial it back to five minutes because come on, anybody can do anything for five minutes. Right. Yeah. So you just do it for five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also when you talk about, you know, do it mindfully, when we're doing it mindfully, we also have like a curious or interested attitude. Mind, when I'm being mindful, I'm more curious and interested about what I'm experiencing. And I think that's the trick of like getting off of expectations or judgments. Like when, when I'm doing my practice and if I can lift off a little bit about the judgment of how I'm doing it, let me just be curious about whether well, this is people showing up in his practice today. This is just me. Can I, can I allow it? Can I just be with it? And I think like that's really important is to be curious of, wow, yeah, it has a different texture today. Just like we have that when we're interacting with people that, wow, this is how I'm showing up. This is how it is. And, but through certain practices, I know of how I want to show up with people of one practice that I have too. And you as a therapist is we have a listening practice. I have to watch my part to interject and to be able to back off and say, no, 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 inside my head, no, this is not the time to interject because it's not about me saying something right now. Somebody has to keep speaking. Let me just allow that to happen more. Or can I really see another part of what they're going through when I'm listening? So I have a listening practice. And some days I'm a better listener than others. And I can just go, you know what? Today you had a good listening practice. Another day, you know what? It wasn't as aware of where you wanted to be. So I think there's something about that curiosity that's important. Love that, Prepo. I love that. Mm, cool. Yeah, man. So this was a nice little surfing adventure about our practice. Right. We kind of have a practice together of doing these podcasts. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're going to be doing more of it. So we're, we're going to end it, folks. I'm gonna, we're going to end it. And at the last piece, I'm, we're going to play a little bit of a recording of so you can hear Corey playing the ditch. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And if you want to tune in or, or listen, you know, tune in live or listen to some 
past recordings. It's Still Point Wellness on Facebook. And there's a little video section there and you can you can see. And if you go, you start in the beginning, you'll you'll see how boring they are in the beginning. But then <laughs> but then they get rocking. And there was one and I don't know where he this went off, came man. from, but he I was started moving it. He was I dancing. started dancing. Dancing, that's in right. The creek. It was it was near it was near the creek. And then I just I was like, I don't give a shit how I look right now. I'm just gonna go with this. And I just started dancing as I was doing it. And then that just opened a door. And then I started standing instead of sitting. And then I started, I mean, full on dancing, like like full on. Nice. And it just felt so good because the music was coming from deep within me and just like coming out my limbs and my arms and my fingers. And there's one where I I I, I went behind the fish tank, our fish tank at still point, and I played so that you can kind of see the silhouette of me through the fish tank. Yeah. There was another one I did practice. at practice. Uh, yeah, exactly. There was another one that I did at night, and there was it was the only one I did at night, and there was like a light in back of me, and I started like realizing that I could play with the light that was in back of me, so I was like all silhouetted, and if I lift my arm, the light would go, and I would like womp, womp, and I would make these sounds that like reflect the light. So I was like not only playing, but I was also playing the light and it turned into this like laser light show, like really trance like piece. I mean, it was almost like performance art. It kind of started feeling like performance art. And it was the first time that I had ever like really, really started feeling that inside of me. Oh, it was so sweet. Yeah, sweet. Nice. Thanks, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, buddy. So good to see you. All right. Love you, pal. Love you, man. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed professional counselor Prepo Toplitsky, visit HeartShareCounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk at AdiTheMonk.com. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by PodCraft. Create your own great podcast today, faster and easier at podcraft.us. Thank you.